2: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of On the Rocks. Hi, Dad. Hey, kiddo. Oh my gosh, do you look beautiful, Cliff? You How's your mom's hip? Good, things. Good. He thinks you're my girlfriend.
1: Grace. Been busy. Yeah, Dean's traveling with clients all the time, and I'm just the buzzkill waiting to schedule things. Just, I'm so stuck. Mm. So Dean's going away a lot,
2: huh, on business trips? Dad. Raise your hand if that sounds fishy.
1: He's not like you. He's a good guy, a great dad.
2: Sure, it's nature. Males are forced to fight, to dominate, and to impregnate all females. Impossible for women's that are most beautiful between the ages of 35 and 39. Great, so I have many months left.
1: Really? you're back in town. Been busy? Yeah, got a
2: lot going on. Do you? He should be worshiping the ground you walk on. And if he's doing something dishonorable, you need to know.
0: What if Dean's just busy? I'm in a rut, that's it.
2: I think we should follow him. What? I think you better see him in action.
1: This is your idea of incognito?
2: Coming through! Uh
1: Here's the plaza. This is the place to have an affair. It has the most exits. Exits on three streets. Can you just act a little less excited about this? Because this is my life, and it might be falling
0: apart. I don't know why women get plastic surgery. Because of men like you. Mm-mm. I prefer the factory original. Yeah, and every other make and model.
2: Thank you, I'm gonna take that as a compliment. <laughs> Are there two? Who? Oh. Scared me. All right, everybody. You were just listening to the trailer for On the Rocks, and the story is as follows. A New York woman and her impulsive, large-driven-life father try to find out if her husband is having an affair. The film is starring Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, and Marlon Wayans. It is written and directed by Sofia Coppola. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman.
1: Hi, everyone.
2: And Cody Derricks. Hello. All right, so a new Sofia Coppola movie. Uh, This came out actually a little while ago, and we apologize. Uh, It's been a little chaotic trying to work out the schedule over here. Um, As many people are aware, theaters are not quite exactly fully open for a lot of the Next Best Picture team members right now. So this weekend was a lot of movies that... um, released in theaters, but did not have uh, the most accessible streaming availability. So we figured we would go back uh, and touch upon Sofia Coppola's latest film because she's Sofia Coppola, and we love her. And who doesn't like Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, and Marlon Wayne's Where did he come from? <laughs> so here we are today talking about On the Rocks, which actually I think is a first for us over here um, in terms of Apple TV+. Plus. I don't think we've ever reviewed an Apple uh, movie before over here. So let's get into it. Let's talk about what we like, what we didn't like. Let's start off with Nicole. What did you think of On the Rocks?
1: So I am a big fan of Sofia Coppola in general. I haven't actually seen all of her films, but I've seen most of them. And I... I tend to be a big fan of her pieces. I think that On the Rocks is very interesting, and in that in some ways it feels quite different from a lot of her filmography. Especially if you look at some of her more recent stuff, like um, The Beguiled, uh, The Bling Ring, things like that, that are quite larger than life. Um, but at the same time, it feels very Coppola in its themes, as it looks at you know isolation and unstable relationships. And I think that nobody can make a film about a character feeling quite isolated and cut off from people in the same way that Sofia Coppola does. Uh, I suspected that I would enjoy this and I enjoyed it a lot. It's um, probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Not that I think that it's a masterpiece or anything like that. I definitely like other Coppola films better, but I think it's a really well-made film. I think it's, you know, has some interesting things explored in it in a, in a kind of unique way. And, Also, these performances are so fun and so charming that I just really had a good time watching it.
0: All right, and Cody,
2: what about yourself?
0: Yeah, I like what Nicole said there about isolation and how she captures that better than almost anybody. And I mean, that most... That That's most demonstrated in Lost in Translation, obviously. Uh, and this, I think, is probably not just because it's Bill Murray again, the closest she's gotten to recapturing the same energy as Lost in Translation. That doesn't mean it's as good. It definitely is not as good or, you know, it's not like as much of a discovery or revelation as that movie. But it's probably, to my mind, the coziest, easiest watch of the year, which is a little bit surprising for a movie about, you know, pursuing adultery and that kind of in real life would be a very tumultuous time for your uh, own self I'm sure but in this movie it's very just kind of nice and comforting um and so such an easy watch that I will admit I forgot I watched it like four hours later (laughs) so that's not necessarily (laughs) a critique of the movie but it definitely is like extremely light to the point of just floating out of your head Yeah, I definitely agree that this
2: is a light and breezy affair from Sofia Coppola, which is in contrast to a lot of her more daring projects that she has done uh, all throughout her career. I don't think she's ever made a movie uh, quite like this. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned before the connection to Lost in Translation, but I would actually draw more of a comparison to uh, Somewhere, actually. Um, And I think, uh, that movie was dialed back quite a bit, but this one is a bit more um, lighter in, in, in a lot of regards, and a lot of that has to do with uh, Bill Murray's performance. But all around, just in terms of wanting to see Sophia Coppola continue to push herself as an artist, this just kind of felt like it was, let's make a film, business as usual, and it didn't feel like it had passion behind it. I didn't really get a sense of any kind of artistic daring sensibilities that she brought to other projects that she's worked on before that even with their flaws still excited me. She's always a very exciting filmmaker. And this movie is really well shot, I think. I think it captures uh, upper scale New York City uh, in a very beautiful way at times. But it's not awe-inspiring cinematography, there's no flashy editing, there's nothing about the screenplay that isn't something that we haven't heard before from, say, other filmmakers, other female filmmakers, in fact, actually, um, that have commented on men and women relationships before, and our need and desire uh, to want to be uh, with someone, it it, it just feels... Uh, it just feels kind of routine to me at times, and I, I like the movie on the whole, but then there's also these little tiny things sprinkled throughout as well where I'm like, hmm, hmm, that's questionable, um, and I'm more than happy to get into that, but I definitely was a bit slightly disappointed by this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of revels in being as small as it is. Like, it wouldn't pretend to be a movie that's going to be making any grand sweeping statements or anything like that. But I do think the strongest part of it is um, the way the screenplay kind of comments on how even in modern, progressively minded relationships, men and women can still easily fall back on, like, traditional gender roles. You know, the man goes to work, the mom stays home with the kids. and. Not to say that's necessarily a good or bad thing, but it does. It is interesting to show that for the Rashida Jones character, who is trying so hard to diverge herself from the stereotypical, like, you know, playboy Lothario of her father, that it's sometimes, you know, you just fall into similar uh, traps and patterns. I just get a little worried sometimes about, like, where the film was
2: going in regards to its gender politics Uh, because it is painting uh, Bill Murray as you know, this at times misogynistic, but oh my gosh, look, he's also very charming. So let's offset some more of his questionable behavior with the fact that everybody likes him and oh, look, he can talk his way out of getting a a ticket from the cops because he's so personable, which for the record, if that was anyone other than a rich white man, that's not how that conversation and that interaction would have gone down. There's just things about like the way that that character is written that for me, came off as more icky than, oh, this is sweet.
1: Well, I think that's part of the point, though. Like, in that scene where he, you know, talks his way out of the speeding ticket or whatever, she says to him, it must be very nice to be you. Right? And I think that the film recognizes that he has this privilege because of who he is, because also we have to acknowledge this is really... The, is this the first Coppola film to, like, really have substantial uh, characters who are played by actors of color? I think so. Yeah. And so I think, like, that that sets it apart from some other Coppola films. And while it's not about that, uh, you know, it doesn't really deal with it. There are these little lines where, like, you know that she knows that he can talk his way out of this. Partially because of his white privilege. Um, that, like, you know however charming her husband might be, he probably wouldn't be able to. Um, And I think that it knows that. And I think that, I don't know, I've certainly known older men um, who are kind of like this. And I think it's a really interesting commentary on how they get away with this kind of behavior and these kind of comments because they're so charming. And I think that often, especially in the entertainment industry, we want to say that, oh, well, misogynistic people are... You know, this kind of man is bad and they're bad people and they're not likable. And I think that in real life, it's so much more complicated than that most of the time. Um, you know, like, and my my grandfather was not this bad, but, you know, I, I saw a little bit of my grandfather in this character. And he wasn't a bad guy, but he'd make a comment every now and then that, that I was like, oh, God, okay. Um, and I think that part of what the film is so good at is capturing a very specific type of person um that feels very real in that he's so so much of a gray character um because he does these bad things but then he also is so likable that even at times i found myself falling under it a little bit and then he'd say something i'd be like oh god no okay there there it is um and i think that a lot of people have someone like that in their family or in their you know family friends or something that they've had to deal with
0: because this isn't, you know, this isn't, like, the first hour of Alfie. You know, it's not reveling in this, like, playboy, undercurrent of misogyny <laughs> lifestyle. They're, the character of Rashida Jones is there to act as a foil. And it's, you know, like Nicole said, I also know, like, I, right off the top of my head, I can name two or three older men in my life who are like this. And it doesn't mean that they are not, you know, they shouldn't be told, like, hey, don't say that or, like, you know, leave that waitress alone. But also, like... You know, I don't think this needed to end like midsummer.
2: I understand that <laughs> aspect of it. I truly, I do. It's just that at times, while watching it, I wish that it went a little deeper. Sure. The movie for me is not necessarily exciting, um, and it could have been more exciting, as evidenced Except by <laughs> even that uh, car uh, that car chase scene. Um, the movie is not as funny as it probably would want to be at times. It's not as dramatic as it probably wants to be at times. It just kind of settles for this middle ground of complacency in terms of everything. I mean, literally everything. The performances don't wow me. The cinematography doesn't wow me. Nothing about the story wows me. It's all good. It's all walking that line. But there's literally not a single thing, including... Sophia Coppola's uh, stance on these issues that, you know, someone like Nora Ephron, I think, would have absolutely have crushed this in her prime. You know, it's like it, it just doesn't go there.
1: It does have in some way a very Nora Ephron feel. It's funny, even before you said that, Matt, I was thinking like, yeah, it feels like just being Off of being a Nora Ephron movie. In
2: many ways, actually, you know what it kind of does feel like to me? It almost feels like uh, Woody Allen erasure. Like, let's start making (laughs) movies that he used to make, but like, let's just make them better so that people forget about him sort of
1: thing, (laughs) you know? I mean, yeah. Like, I do think that it captures a certain type of New York City lifestyle, a certain... Um, you know, not super rich, but well to do.
2: I mean, he's got a private driver.
1: Oh, for him, certainly. I was talking more about her.
2: Oh yeah. I mean I would kill to live in
1: her apartment, you that's know, for things sure. Like she's got the birdie <laughs> sticker on her door. She's got the strand. Mm-hmm tote bag. Um, I think it captures a lot of that in a way that people talk about like Nora Ephron and Woody Allen capturing a certain type of New York lifestyle. Sure. And I think that that is one of the better things. It's almost like I would love to see Sofia Coppola go on to make more films like this that maybe um, now that she's kind of got a feel for this sort of world, this more normal world than something like um, you know uh, the bling ring, or something like that. Um, maybe get back into this sort of thing and then be able to actually push her topics a little bit further.
0: No yeah, the thing with Sophia Coppola is at this point in her filmography, I don't think we should necessarily expect a character to have a big speech about why what the characters are doing is bad. You know what I mean? Like, she's just between, and I love these movies, but like Marie Antoinette and the Bling Ring, like, she's clearly not interested, I think, on purpose in making her films like a diatribe against a certain lifestyle. But at the same time, Her films inspire the very thing that we're doing right now. We're talking about how this character is, you know, unbecoming. And I think that's the point. (laughs) I think, you know, it's the same with Marie Antoinette. That's exactly
2: why I actually like lean positive on the movie, because despite that there were uh, times while watching it where I was just like, okay, why should I care about this? This story has no real relevance, I feel like right now. To me or for a lot of people, I feel like right now when we're so concerned about other issues going on in the world right now. But despite that, uh, the movie doesn't necessarily paint its characters in black and white. There is this area of gray right. and it does allow for, I think, a good discussion in regards then to um, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> Bill Murray's uh, explanation for everything in this movie is Raw male animal instinct and in that it's like hardwired into uh, their brains and there is nothing that they can do to fight against their pre-programmed nature. And that is why he is the way that he is. Uh, the movie does call him out on it by the end. His daughter calls him pathetic and so on and so forth. But I never ever really got this like sense that by the end of it, especially like when we got to the uh, f- uh, the end of the movie, that the characters had changed in any way, I felt like if anything, it, the movie did give us uh, something to talk about for sure. But even when it ended, it kind of left me with this feeling of, um, hmm, you know, it, it just feels like these themes could have been explored and maybe in just an all around better movie.
0: I mean, I in the end, like, I think it's more about the relationship between Marlon Wayans and uh Oh my God, Rashida Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rather that, like the Bill Murray character, he's a rock. He's in his what, sixties or seventies. He's not gonna change, and I don't. I think that's you know the way that men of that age are. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can just sure. hope that they get better at the tricks they have. Um, but like you know, in the end, the communication that grows between the uh, couple at the center is what's actually the you know point in the movie. I think.
1: I also think that she comes to a new understanding of her father in some ways, like, and, you know, towards the end of it, she's like, "Uh, you you can just tell me if you want to spend time together, like, because she realizes that part of all this has been him coming up with these weird elaborate tricks to, like, get her to hang out with him.
2: Right, because he's done such a successful job in life of pushing everybody away from him.
1: Exactly. So I think that it's not that the characters change, which I almost sort of like, it's that the relationships between them shift and kind of come into clarity for her in particular, um, which I thought made it almost feel more realistic in a way, um, and that there's not this big grand, you know, revelation for any of them uh, in who they are. It's just that they understand each other better by the end of it.
2: I mean, I think what you just said there about just understanding each other is something that like, you know, when we have our own insecurities uh, start to come into play, we have to like really, really try our best to understand where everybody is at in their current uh, point in their lives. So, for example, uh, Rashida Jones understands that her husband is busy and he's working, but her own insecurities uh, that are creeping into her as... She's gotten past a point where her and her husband can have like on their wedding nights spontaneous fun, you know, jumping into a pool in her wedding dress, whatever it is. She's got they've gotten beyond that, and her life is settled into this routine of taking care of the kids, having to work, worrying about this, that, etc. And I think Bill Murray uh, says it, you know, pretty well, kind of later on in terms of what holds a man and a woman's grasp is uh, the effect that she has over him is, is that the confidence, right? That she knows that she's sexy and she knows that she has complete control over him. And she's losing that uh, because of where she's just at in her life, this mid uh, midlife crisis, if you will, while his career and his life seems to be on the up and up. And I think there's a lack of understanding on his side, too, to realize that his wife is going through that. Because quite honestly, this movie does a really good job of painting dean her husband as someone who's honestly not an asshole he's just kind of oblivious to what is going on with her i don't think that he's necessarily a bad guy and i also don't blame rashida jones for going down the path that she goes down with her father um quite frankly because i think what she's going through is very natural and normal
1: Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that the movie does really well is that it doesn't paint him as a bad guy, because I think like a lesser filmmaker would have made him seem more uh, suspicious, maybe, or. yeah. Um, and I think that part of what keeps the film feeling so real is that by the end of it, like I actually was in suspense for a lot of it, waiting to find out, like, okay, is he cheating? Like, yeah, totally. And I kept flipping on whether or not I thought it was real, um, which I think that is one of the things that the movie does really well, is like yeah. you genuinely aren't sure. Um, and you kind of feel like she does, where you're, you keep being like, no, no, he's not. Okay, but maybe. Um, and right, I that's
0: think a that reasonable it, explanation. Oh, well, actually, maybe it's not.
1: Exactly, and I think that maybe this does address something that a lot of couples go through where it's, you know, it's not that one of them has done something terrible. It's just that there's a disconnect between them. And because of that, they start to question if there's more happening than there is. And so I think that we don't have that many movies nowadays about relationships that take on such a, I don't, I don't know, how, I don't want to describe it as a small issue, but sort of a, you know, it's a um, it's a very real life, very non-extravagant, very uh, not fantastical problem that people face. Uh, and I think, you know, could it have been done better? Yeah, maybe. I don't think this is a masterpiece of a film. But I think it's really admirable that it tries to speak to real relationship issues. I mean,
2: you can also chalk it up to a generational problem as well. Mm. If Bill Murray is an older generation who uh, subscribes to this belief of you know, women as property and mating objects and nothing more than that necessarily, um, and then you have a character like Dean who threw – uh, you know, the reveal at the end that he's not actually having an affair. This is exactly like the type of, uh, you know, man of today that uh, is career driven, respectful of his uh, of his spouse. And, you know, it, it kind of leads me to hopefully believe that this level of thinking uh, that a lot of older men and we've you know described some that we know in our lives right now have towards women is a dying breed and it's not something that's being passed on to the next generation.
0: Right. And it makes a point to show that the the way the Bill Murray character goes through life, you know, with these like this shitty way of looking at women uh, and this playful attitude is used to mask a real like pain that he has underneath because he's been following his, you know, his id and his uh, instincts for 50 years or whatever. And it still has not landed him to a completely satisfying point in his life. So I think a movie, even though it doesn't, you know, put an exclamation point and underline it, really does show that these this this way of living is not sustainable in terms of, you know, inner happiness.
1: <laughs> I also think it explores the fact that those kind of people and the kind of relationships that people of that generation had has an effect on the generation after them, on their children. And, you know, it's very easy to sort of map and it does sort of play out for you that maybe a lot of her paranoia is coming straight from what she saw happen with her parents. Yes. Um, and had, she, had was he not her father, maybe she would handle this relationship differently. Um, and so I think that that is another interesting thing that it explores. And I mean, obviously, like, I'm a bit young to get that. I think we all are. But I think that people who are sort of of more of that age where they recognize that in their own parents um, might really have something to think about about how that has affected how they deal with relationships.
2: And as much as I hate the side trip to Mexico at the very end, I just think it's like cringy and not nearly as elaborate as the movie wants it to be. And once again, I kind of chalk that up to the fact that the, you know, it's kind of a wasted opportunity to... Uh, shoot the movie in a more beautiful way. It's like this movie is very dark at times. Like it's just like a very uh, dark film in terms of its shadows and lack of light and color and things of that nature. So I kind of saw that as a missed opportunity. And But either way, uh, that scene that Bill Murray has where he does cathartically express regret over uh, his previous relationship with uh, Rashida Jones's mom and everything else that has had an impact on her and, you know, other people in his life. I think that's a great moment for Bill Murray. I thought he was really great in that scene.
1: I would definitely agree with that. I think he's really good throughout, and it's, a lot of it's a very subtle performance, but the fact that, like, all of us were able to kind of recognize that kind of man, um, the way that he captures that, I think is really great. And then he does have that really, I think I think it's a really touching moment, actually, especially because, I think as a viewer, you're sort of seeing it from the perspective of the Rashida Jones character. Um, I I really like his performance in this film.
0: Yeah, he was very, I mean, charming is something that he's, you know, pretty damn effortless at. But that thing he does where it's, you know, and he did this in Lost, uh, Lost in Translation, too, where he has that underlying sadness, that kind of melancholy behind the eyes, which, again, is like a trademark of his acting style. It was really just really perfectly executed here. Totally. I, I mean, I think that his performance is quite good in this movie for
2: sure. Um, and we'll we'll talk about his Oscar chances in just a moment here. Um, as we get to uh, final thoughts, though, does anyone have any other uh, final thoughts
0: here? Um, I just, uh, I, I was initially when the movie started, I was like, oh no, these are like some like rich New Yorkers. I, you know, with like liberal sensibilities, obviously, but like I. You have to do a lot to get me to really, like, (laughs) (laughs) care is the wrong word. (laughs) Not to sound so (laughs) callous, but it just, when the characters are at that level, I have sometimes a little bit of like, okay, but, you know, come on. But at the same time, uh, it is kind of. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe this is like, you know, my bourgeoisie tendencies jumping out or something, but there I, it is kind of nice, uh, luxury in a world like this sometimes, not uh, <laughs> sound like a capitalist pig, but it's funny <laughs> that I was, you know, watching this movie and it'd be like, Oh yeah, that is a nice painting. While I was literally ordering lunch from a, a place called Al's beef shack. So it just <laughs> if that's what, you know, any indication of like what a nice cozy movie this is, then, you know, take that as a sell for me. Nice. What about you, Nicole.
1: Yeah, a couple of things. One, I really enjoyed the production design of this movie and even the costuming as well. Obviously, neither of them are like super flashy. But like you said, Cody, it was it was kind of nice as much as like my liberal self doesn't want to admit it to like pretend to exist in that sort of New York for a little bit. Um, And I also want to say Ginny Slate. As the woman, Oh, my God.
0: I screamed when she popped up. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. I think she's
0: underutilized. Why cast her? If, it feels like there's a scene missing with her. I mean, she's a Nora Ephron character. She's a caricature. She's there to represent, you know, New York as it is, this uh, vapid self-involved. I, I understand, still. but it just feels like a distraction to cast a name
2: as big as her in such a small part like that.
0: Yeah, it didn't really bother me. I don't... It's a huge
1: name, yeah. though. Like, that sounds bad, but, like, I, she, it's not <laughs> like they cast... You know, it's not like throwing Brad Pitt in a tiny Angelina
0: bowl. Angelina <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I think what's so great about it, too, is that, like, um, having been the older child, I went along with my mom a lot to pick up my sister at elementary school, and I would literally watch her get stuck in these conversations where she obviously didn't want to be talking to this person who just was spilling her whole life, and it was, like oh, my God, can we go? And the way that they capture that, I think, is so funny. Um, And it also provides, like, a really nice foil to the type of mom that the Rashida Jones character doesn't want to be um, within this setting. And I I really enjoyed that. I also just, I cannot go on this podcast and not talk about that one shot when um, the Bill Murray character and Rashida Jones are at the bar and there's a shot of the tear falling into her drink. Um. I literally backed it up like I rewinded it to watch it again because in a movie that otherwise like you said the cinematography is good but it's not extravagant or anything it's not flashy there's this one moment where I was like oh wow okay yeah this is Sofia Coppola like that film is like the the normal Sofia Coppola that I think we've come to expect in her more recent films is hiding underneath here somewhere um and I really, I really liked that moment. Uh,
2: a couple of our final thoughts that I have here: um, the line I heard the guys from A24 were here <laughs> at the party.
1: Oh my god! Yes,
2: I really like the contrast of uh, the birthday dinners and how. Her uh, birthday sit-down with her father is in this private, quiet restaurant. He gives her a very personal gift. And then later on, with Dean, her husband, when it's not on her birthday, and it's after he's arrived back from his business trip, the restaurant is loud, it's darker, and (laughs) that moment with the cake is a gut punch if I've ever seen one. (laughs) Oh my gosh, did I feel my heart sink in yeah, that moment. Yeah, that was, that was uh, yeah. like cringey <laughs> in the <best laughs> kind of way. Cool. Um, and I mean, I got nothing else to really add um, other than that, actually, I'm going to give this movie, and I know I sound like I'm coming off very harsh here, but overall, I like the discussion that this movie uh, gave, so I'm actually
0: going with a seven. What about you, Cody? I am also going with a seven. It doesn't have the kind of like both in terms of it being an exciting. I know it wasn't her first movie, but like a new discovery of lost and translation. And it also isn't quite as profound as that movie, which is funny because it on paper says less in terms of what the actual characters say. But yeah, a, a seven is where I'm sitting. Nicole.
1: Uh, so obviously I like this movie quite a bit. I recognize it's not a masterpiece and it's not one of my favorite Coppola's uh but i'm going to give it an 8
2: all right okay uh in terms of its oscar prospects uh this movie will receive a campaign for bill murray uh i know some of us have even included it in our screenplay uh predictions in some cases as well Cody, where are you feeling
0: uh today about uh, on the rocks and the oscar race um i think in terms of bill murray he there's definitely a path for him especially with um there being so many actors from a movie like uh, Chicago Seven that's not gonna get like probably more than two. And Chadwick Boseman got moved to lead for Ma Rainey. So there's definitely some room for him there. Um, in terms of original screenplay, uh, yeah, I there's a strong like f- four to six contenders, I'd say, in original screenplay. And then after that, it kind of like is a mishmash of oh, I guess this small independent movie could get in. Is Ammonite going to be good enough? That kind of thing. And On the Rocks, I currently do have at seven. I think there's definitely a path there. Um, It would be interesting that it would be, I believe, Sophia's first Oscar nomination since Lost in Translation, um, which is funny because I would say she's definitely had some better received movies since then. But that's just a testament to the kind of year we're in. Sure, sure. Nicole, what about you?
1: yeah, I feel the same way about Murray. I think he's got a good path, and I think if they campaign him right, it definitely could happen. I also feel like if they're putting maybe some of these exciting um I don't say like younger actors, but maybe newer to the scene actors from some of these other movies in um he's more of your like you know, sort of classic Oscar pick, I feel like that might help him get one of the spots. Uh, In terms of screenplay, I currently have it at number five. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to see how things shake out with some stuff like Promising Young Women, Minari, in terms of just the um, popular reception that they get to kind of get a better feel for what maybe the Academy is going to think of them as opposed to critics. Uh, So I've got it sitting at five right now. I could see it missing. I could see it getting in. Honestly, neither of those two things would surprise me.
2: Yeah, I I personally think it's Bill Murray or bust for this movie. And it's funny hearing you guys say that there's a path for him. I'm watching way too much CNN this week. All I keep hearing is, okay, he's going to (laughs) lose Chicago. But if he has New York, you know, he has a path. Uh, Yeah, Chicago, you know. Exactly. The the Chicago 7, you know, they're standing Mm -hmm. in his way of getting the Well, um, Miami really,
0: you know, one night there is going to give you trouble. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, but in any event,
1: <laughs> I think this week has broken us. Yeah, the
0: Nomadland electorate—I don't know. For hes looking all right, but we'll see.
1: Okay, all right. But how many? How many votes do they uh, do they have? <laughs> oh
0: my god! The bloods, red state—I don't know. In
2: all seriousness. I not only think that there is a path for Bill Murray to get nominated, I think there's a path for him to even win if there is enough vote splitting in that category and not much of a narrative forms for some other people in that field. Um, I do think that Murray could get enough recognition and votes uh, to possibly get to a win. I mean, early. I mean, obviously, it's early speculation at this point, but um, I actually do feel quite strongly about him uh, contending this year and... Uh, while I don't want to go that far to project a win necessarily, um, I do think that it is certainly possible right now, but screenplay, yeah, I'm a little less certain about that only because I do think that some of those movies you mentioned there, Nicole, are going to be in contention. I think they are going to muscle, uh, Sophia out. And I do think that there is a general consensus amongst everyone that this is not up to the caliber of her previous work, which did feel more exciting, original, and had, like I said, a greater degree of passion behind it to want to recognize her, Um, even though to Cody's point, she hasn't received a nomination since Lost in Translation. But I still get this sense that this is like a more of a agreeable movie and less of a passionately defended movie like a Marie Antoinette, where it's got its lovers, it's got its haters. But man, the people that love it, they really love it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I have trouble seeing this movie having passionate lovers or haters in either direction, Um, but we'll see.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it here for our review of On the Rocks here on the next Best Picture podcast. Nicole, where can I find you on the Internet?
1: You can find me at Nicole Ackman 16 on Twitter, Instagram and Letterboxd.
0: Cody? I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91.
2: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, literally everywhere where podcasts are subscribed and listened to. Please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. We're going to pause for a quick second and just tell you, tell you both. Um, CNN just called it. Oh, my God. Yep. Wait, really? Yep. Ah!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Keep this in. Don't don't cut this
2: out. (laughs) Hold on. Let's let's try and get through this so that we can finish, all right? Yeah.
0: Okay. If you want to leave us screaming or put it at the end, I'm okay with that. (laughs)